0: Good
1: morning. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Good
1: morning. Oh, it looks like some people didn't hear me. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Right. Uh, let's pray briefly and then we can begin proceedings. Our gracious Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to find our places before your throne of grace. Father, we know that we are sinners through and through, saved by grace uh, through the Great work of Christ at Calvary. Father, as we look into your word, come and dwell amongst us, come and illuminate our understanding. Help us, O oh God, to behold wondrous things out of thy law. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so uh, today, by God's grace, we would bring the curtain down on our study in first Timothy, hopefully. Uh, we are left with just uh, verses 17 to 21 of chapter 6. Uh, just let's recap what we've done so far. Uh, we've been looking at this great book, and this book is really essential for our times because we are li- living at a time where the doctrine, I mean, uh, the gospel is under attack. I mean, there are churches that are open are teaching all kinds of things which is not a gospel and so in that sense 1st 2nd Timothy is a great book to study and personally uh, it's been a blessing because you know when you have the chance to teach it helps you to study more than you would normally do if you are not teaching so it's been a blessing for me and um, just talking to a few people it's also been a blessing so um, Timothy was a young man uh, saved uh, he had godly parents. Uh, we, we don't know much about his father, but we had, it looks like probably he died quite early. So he was raised by his grandmother and uh, his mother. They taught him, they grounded him in the scriptures. Later on, he met the apostle Paul, and Paul left him. But when Paul came back, he was well spoken of by the brethren in Lystra and Akodium. And so Paul took Timothy along on. Several missionary journeys. In fact, if you want to be critical and then think about the individuals who really served the apostle Paul and helped him, you know, carry out the gospel. I mean, carry the gospel to many places. Timothy was one of the trusted people. And as we'll see in Second Timothy, you know, if you can tell somebody to come before winter, okay, uh, that tells you that the person is really a close friend because Paul was under so much stress after being in jail and all of that, but he trusted Timothy to bring his books, to bring his clothes and things like that. So as one of his helpers. And uh, we're told that by tradition, Timothy lived up to about 70 years, and he was martyred uh, in Ephesus by the idolaters. And so he died just like his masters, all right? But he has so much to teach us. I mean, first, those of, us, those of us who are parents, those of us involved in children's ministry, you know, when you get children involved in the things of God, you will never know, you can never imagine the extent to which they will take the gospel years to come. So, personally, Timothy is an example for all of us. And as a person who was in Awana, I can testify, you know, Second Timothy 2.15 is the Awana theme verse. Study. To show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, you need to know the truth. And how do you know that? It's about, you have to cultivate that habit, all right? So, Tim, uh, Timothy was Paul's protege. And um, straight away, when you read the book, he focuses on doctrine, chapter one, especially the gospel. What is the gospel? We are sinners headed for hell by choice and practice, and God through the work of Christ has drawn us to himself. Anyone who trusts the Lord would be saved. Whosoever calls upon the Lord will be saved. And I hope every one of us, I pray every one of us has come to that salvation experience. And as you've gone through that, you can see the hand of God guiding you, directing you, and all of that. So, Paul addresses... Timothy with this very important phrase, O man of God, O man of God, all right? This is a pastoral epistle, but, okay, it applies to all of us. So let me ask you this morning, can you, are you comfortable when you are described as a man of God, a woman of God? You are not a pastor, but would you be comfortable if you are described as a man of God? A woman of God. I want to hear a few responses. Are you comfortable being described as a man of God? A woman of God? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. You'll be honored? Okay. Are you comfortable with that phrase? A man of God. But yes, Pastor. I'll
2: confess that like part of me is and part of me isn't. Like I know I'm righteous in Christ. But at the same time I also know how sinful I am, so how far I gotta go. So I I know that theologically, yes, you know, we're saints in Christ and um but at the same time like there have been occasions, I'm thinking particularly because a chaplain in the Navy so we'll be like, oh, he's our man of God. <laughs> <laughs> But at the same time, like this is where I gotta walk my faith and not my sight. That yes, I am righteous in Jesus, even though I don't always feel like it. Yeah,
1: yeah it's 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 one of those phrases that's causes you to really look at your life. Because if you are a man of God, then the stakes are really high. All right? It's just like, you know, when you are called a Christian. You see, a lot of people are not comfortable being given that term. You see? But when somebody, oh, he's a Christian. Okay, he should speak volumes. He's been with Jesus. All right? So, Paul uses this term quite... uh, a lot in the book, and he charges uh, Timothy to be, to uphold the truth. Yes, ma'am? I, I think the
3: thing about it is that it, it, it's very, like, you feel very happy that somebody would think that you're, that you would see God in your life, and mm-hmm. it's also, you feel like a responsibility
1: mm-hmm. there, it's kind of mm-hmm.
3: a little scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I guess that's probably what's so kind of like, a, it's kind of like
1: a fine line. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the book of Acts, we are told that when they met, I mean, the Sahendrin met the Apostles, they realize that they've been with Jesus. So, your speech, your conduct, your the way you organize yourself, people should see that you've been with Christ. All right? So, we'll read from verses 11 to 21. We've done 11 to 16. I'll briefly go. I want this to be like a kind of a revision test class. So, I would, I'm going to ask some questions uh, based on our discussions that we've had in previous weeks, uh, especially verses 11 to 16. So, Chris, would you read eleven to twenty-one for us? But our, our focus is going to be on seventeen to twenty-one. But we we'll read from verse eleven for context.
2: First, uh, First Timothy mm-hmm. chapter six, verse eleven. But as for you, O man of God, lead these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of Lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable life, who no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to be good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent battle and contradiction of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you.
1: Amen. Uh Just a quick um, observation. Look at verse twenty, the first. Oh, Timothy, what do you think is going through Paul's mind as he's talking about this? Oh, Timothy,
2: there's concern. Concern? There's, there's concern that not not so much concern, but he knows. The weightiness of what he's laying before him, and and he didn't just address; he didn't just say Timothy. Mm. It was oh, Timothy. Timothy. There's you know, there's an
1: earnestness, earnestness, wonderful, and love, and love, love. Love. And you know, sometimes uh, when it comes to the gospel and false teaching and all of that sometimes we tend to gloss over oh this people they also go to church and you know at least they are doing something you know but seriously if you look at the content all right you can see that throughout the book paul is concerned that timothy would, would preach the gospel and nothing else and then call out those who are teaching otherwise You see, so these endearing terms shows where Paul's heart is. Because he knows that, you know, can you imagine sitting through a church where false teaching is just churned out by the day, and then you assume that this is going to give you eternal life. And then you are damned for years, sitting under that kind of teaching. All right, so this this is the context. So uh, let's start from eleven. And we are looking at uh, the rules of engagement. If we have threats before us, how should we live? We started looking at verses 11 to 16 uh, last week, and I want us to go over briefly, and then we'll we'll focus on verses 17 to 21. Now, Paul was giving instructions as to how we ought to conduct ourselves when we meet these threats, and I believe these threats are all around us, okay? Okay. Uh, especially related to false doctrine. So first he says, flee certain things. Then he says, follow or pursue. And then he says, fight the good fight. Then he says, lay hold on eternal life. Then he says, keep fighting till Christ comes. So how many statements there are about five? Flee, follow, fight, lay hold on eternal life. Keep fighting till Christ Comes now, what should we flee? He says, uh, flee what characterizes the false teachers and what characterizes them according to verses 3 to 5 they love controversy, they love division, they love money. We've discussed that in previous weeks, right? They love controversy, they love division, they love money, all right? So The term Paul uses there is not like you are jogging, a slow jog. No. He's talking about running, fleeing, all right, with all vigor, might, your might. You are running with, you know, think about a a hundred meter sprint. All right? So, this is good for not just our personal lives, but also whatever ministry you are involved in. As a man of God, as a woman of God, you have to flee certain things. All right? And you are not just fleeing, but you are following after certain things. Now, let's uh, briefly list what we flee. Is there? What do we flee from? The list. I yeah, uh, Look at verse number uh, 11 following, 11, 12. Is anybody there? It
2: says,
1: these things. Yes, these things are the ones mentioned earlier on. Yes, before. So you are right. Yes, you are right. The dissensions, the uh, controversies, and then the love of money, which we discussed at length previous. So you are right, uh, Mark. Sorry about that. All right. Now, let me ask you, um, and then you need to follow after certain things, right? What do we follow according to the list?
2: Righteousness. Uh-huh. Godliness. Uh-huh.
1: Faith. faith. Okay. Now, let me ask you, what does it mean to aim at or pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, endurance? How do we do that practically? How do we do that practically? Stay in the word. Stay in the word. yes. What else? Stay around God. Stay around God's people, yes. Any more? All right, we call Pastor. Uh, well,
2: some of those are mm-hmm. Also, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians mm-hmm. five. So mm-hmm. I would assume that you
1: know,
2: by walking in the Spirit, mm-hmm. this would also be just for sort of born and
1: mm-hmm. Yes, you know we've been talking about the means of grace. The Reformers use that term a lot. If you want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of God and of, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You need to go through the means of grace. And what are the means of grace? What are the means of grace that God has revealed to us in His Word? Fellowshipping around with God's people. Prayer life, both personal and public. All right. Corporate prayer. Uh, reading the Bible. All right. Uh, yes, ma'am. Serving. serving. serving Christian stewardship. Christian stewardship, all right? I always say that when it, we talk about Christian stewardship, you know, in the church, we talk about volunteers. We shouldn't be calling for volunteers. It should be normal practice to serve. It should be part of us. If you are saved, I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. What would you have me to do when Christ met him? The first question that he, is what would you have me to do? I believe you have asked yourself that question what would christ have you to do in the local church all right you shouldn't be calling for volunteers I it's a personal conviction i don't think you just have to be observant and then see where there's a gap in the church and step in with your strengths with your talents with your skills with your resources and all of that and that you don't need to be a preacher or a missionary no all right so this is how we grow. But, you know, uh, one person was talking about Christian ministry these days. And he says that these days people date the church. Mm-hmm. You understand what he means? People dating the church? No commitment. <laughs> no commitment. You know, just go through the motions and, you know, you're not really out, but you know, every now you pop in and, you know, you are not. Are you getting that kind of? You know, no. Yes. Yes. Uh, 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 it's like you sit on a fence, one leg out here, one leg. You know, you are neither in nor neither out, and that kind of very, very comfortable. You see, it's a very dangerous place to be in. All right. The fence belongs to the house. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, to pursue these things, we have to give ourselves to the means of. Grace, the means of grace. And then Paul talks about fighting the good fight of faith. Fighting the good fight. Here, the faith means the essentials of the Christian faith or Christian doctrine. The essentials. And so uh, Paul uses this uh, wrestling term. okay, Um, uh, Grab, lay hold on eternal life. But what are some of the essentials of the Christian faith? Let's briefly mention them. When we talk about the essentials of the Christian faith, what do we mean? All right. We mean prayer? Yes. But the essentials, we mean? Yes. Regeneration. Okay. Justification. All right. These days, you can't even talk about gender and sexuality. It's mixed all over the place. We don't even know who a woman is or who a man is. We do. <laughs> <They> do. <laughs> you know, you can talk about that. I mean, male and female made he them. Male and female. Alright? So it has become a concern for today. All right. And all of that. But we, really essentially I was talking about our Christ, how we can come to know the Lord. You can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong. All right. Salvation is by grace through faith. So he moves on and he says, earnestly contend for the faith. So it's not something that you can kind of uh, lazy about with it. No. Earnestly contend for the faith. And Paul uses the term lay hold on eternal life. Grab. It's like a wrestling term. If you watch wrestling, how if a wrestler grabs the opponent. Those are some of the terms being used here. All right? And what does it mean to lay hold on eternal life, practically? How do you lay hold on eternal life? We discussed it uh, a week ago or so. Lay hold. What does it really mean? I think it
0: means believing in eternal security, like not doubting, Mm -hmm. constantly living in doubts of your salvation. Mm -hmm. If you can't earn it by works, you can't lose it by works. And I think that's one thing, is that we're secure. And then we can, if we don't get past that point, then... We won't
1: grow. We won't, you know, grow in our faith. faith. So it is essentially a,
0: essentially a, um, a commitment.
1: A yes, commitment, it is a, a certainty. Yes, um, it is a <laughs> a mind fifteen. Mind your mind, your mind. <laughs> you know that they they have that game when somebody is trying to describe. it. Yeah, that's what I'm. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> It is what? In your mind. The battle is always in the mind. Your mind. Your mind. And Satan knows that. So he attacks your mind. So if you're not well focused and committed to your Bible reading and attendance to uh, church so that you constantly been feeding your mind, you'll be all over the place. So your mind. All right? And, I mean, name it. Everything that has been invented is to take care of your mind so that you'll be distracted. The phone, the TV, the radio, I mean, you name it. It's all distraction so that you are not focused. All right? So when Paul says, grab, lay hold on eternal life, especially, you know, when you look at the Christian armor, all right, it's your salvation. Remind yourself who you are. Alright? Who has bought you? Yeah, Johannes. You, I was Adam. just going
0: to say the way you do that is Ephesians 6, mm-hmm. you just said. Yes. Like
1: spiritual armor. yes. Yes. So this is serious business. Serious. Alright? That's why last week we said that we established that the Christian race is not on a playground. This is it's a place of war. So you can't be just lazying around. Lazy. No, 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 no. It's serious business. All right. Sometimes I know that you know it becomes kind of routine. You know, you come to church, then hug each other, talk to each other. It looks routine, but I can tell you, Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities. Yes. This is and your children. Can you imagine? Your children are out there. Are you praying for them? Are you concerned about the world you are going to live for them? Or you are just giving them money? Are you interceding for your, your prayer hedging your children? These are, these are the things. And friends, we have to go on our knees. Or not just yourself, your children, your church, global missions, and what have you. This is what it means to be a man of God. A woman of God. When you are on your knees. Alright? So, he doesn't just end there. He talks about witnesses. He says, Timothy, you have certain witnesses. Alright? So you cannot slack. You cannot, you know, default on your calling. Look at verses 12, 13, and 14. What are the witnesses? Quickly. Paul describes the witnesses that he he reminds Timothy about. Certain witnesses. What are the witnesses? How does he put it? Verses 12, 13, and
2: 14.
1: Presence of who? Of who are the witnesses? Who? God. God God the Father. Who else? Christ Christ Jesus. What else? The Holy Spirit, that's fine. Yes. (laughs) Other believers. Now, what is he saying? He says that maybe it could refer to Timothy's uh, ordination. When they laid hands on him, He's alluded to that in previous chapters, when they laid hands on him, it was done in a multitude of witnesses. For that sake, for, for those people's sake, he cannot slack. It's like taking your wedding vows. You took your vows before many witnesses. Unfortunately, marriage now has become a disposable, you know, something for many people. But when you do something in the sight of God, before many witnesses, it's binding on you. All right? I don't know when you were saved, whether you stood before your church. and prefer- <laughs> You did that? Baptist. Baptism, the same thing. All right? You professed before many witnesses. So when you are no more involved, you are disengaged. It doesn't really impress you. Remember, all right. But most importantly, it says Christ sees. All right. And why is? And then you look at verses fifteen and sixteen. He reminds Timothy or something. What does he remind him about? I mean, about verse fifteen and sixteen. Now he focuses on who the real witness is. And he th- he talks about worship here. they a doxology there. What is the emphasis of the doxology? Fifteen and sixteen. Quickly. God.
2: God
1: the yeah. What what about God? Um, King of kings, of kings. What what is he talking about there? God's what? Attributes. God's yeah. His sovereignty. God's
2: attributes.
1: Attributes. Yeah. I mentioned them. The, what are the attributes? <laughs> What are the attributes? Immortality, immortality. Yes, I want something. I want the word to come out. You know that's why <laughs> I want you to come out. Come out with the word immortality. And so, what Paul is reminding Timothy is that yes, the task is big. You are a young man. You are afraid, but the one who has called you is immortal, 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 invisible. God. Only. Yes. Immortal. God immortal has called you to do this work. And I don't know, friends, but if you are here, the immortal God has called you out of the world. And what should you be afraid of? The immortal God. What does immortal mean? Never. Yes. Uh, the kids play Mortal combat, right? <laughs> immortal. Mortal. God, the immortal. What else about that same What about God? We are immortal. Unapproachable the holy God. God is, you, the, the God's brightness is like that. It's whole, the purity. That God is the one who has called you. What else about God's attributes that I just mentioned there? In that, uh, his what. Immortality goes with what there? I want the third one. Yes, the invis- invincible. All right, invincibility, the invincible God. What does invincible mean? Invincible. Can be defeated. That God is the one who has called him. All right, and then what's the last one there? We've mentioned the invincible, the immortal, the purity, and then the immaculate God. Then there, invisible, the invisible God. God is spirit. And all that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. So if you are looking to see God, you can't see Him. Alright? Physically. But you see His operations through the Spirit of God. So right in these verses, we've seen God's attributes, His immortality, His invincibility, um, uh, His um, purity, and all of that. So all that Paul is saying here is this. Timothy, you serve... A big God you serve a big God and even though the task is difficult you belong to God remember what he has given you all right and there are so many things that we can learn from this this morning I don't know what is on your heart once you're a human being there's something weighing on you maybe a job that you are concerned about your family Maybe you are looking up to God to do something. But have you considered how big God is? Alright? Is your God big? Now these days people don't regard God as anything. Unfortunately. But when we come to worship. We have become. We've come before the great I am. Alright? So. Paul reminds Timothy that, no, the, ch- the, the, task is, the task is difficult, but you serve the immortal God, the invincible God, the, pure, uh, the purest God, all right, and all of that, right? So let's focus on the first, verses 17 to 21, and then here we focus on the ultimate investment, okay? And so he comes back to a theme of wealth in this present age, people who are rich. Now, previously, He's talked about those who desire to be rich in verse 9 earlier on. Now he's talking about those who are rich in the present. What is the difference? First, verse 9, he said, those who desire to be rich. Now he's saying those who are rich. What is the difference? Where
0: your treasure is. Yes. your treasures on earth and you're focused on greed and accumulating massing wealth here or you're building eternal treasure in heaven that we moth and rest won't
1: destroy. Yes. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. But um, you realize that it means that there are some in the church who are who are rich, right? We said that wealth is not really bad but this where your heart, your focus is. Already you said the love of money is the root of all evil. So uh, what about the present age? It's a term that Paul uses a lot. Those who are rich in terms of the present age. What does he mean by the present age? <laughs> Earthly,
0: <one. laughs>
1: Earthly. Yes. Um, if you read Titus 2.12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we should live soberly and um, righteously in this present age. So we're talking about the current world, all right? So if you look behind your questions, I have a a question there for you. Let's discuss that briefly, okay? Look at verse uh, question five. Do we think we are among those who are uh, rich in the present age? Why or why not? Do we consider ourselves rich in the present age? Would you make it personal? Would you consider yourself as rich in the present age? Why or why not? Uh, <laughs> I'm well, sure you... you know, yes. <laughs>
2: are free from want. Um, I mean, there is some, obviously some want and needs okay.
1: in the United States, but we're very blessed. Yes. Yes. In the night, I tell you, uh, those of you who have traveled around the world, right? How many of us have traveled to maybe uh europe uh, asia africa uh, australia and other places okay yes uh madame is yes kathy yes by global standards would you say the average american is rich or not Absolutely. absolutely all right so in a sense we could say that we are rich right yes so what is the problem here what are the dangers that Paul is reminding us about? Those who are rich in this present age. What is he warning us about?
0: Yeah. It's like he said in Luke 12. Um, 15?
1: 15, yes. Take
0: care be on your guard against all covetousness. Mm-hmm. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of her possession.
1: Can, can you read that verse again, please?
0: Yeah. Take care and mm-hmm. be on your guard against all covetousness. Mm-hmm. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his okay. possession.
1: Luke 12.15. And that is the golden text for today, if you look at your paper, is there. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. What do you think about the verse? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses.
0: Reminds me of the parable of the man who amassed all this wealth and says, "Oh, I'm just going to build bigger barns, just more and more and more." Yeah. And he calls him a fool yeah. because tonight your very life is required. Mm-hmm. You. What what's going to happen to all this that you've amassed? That's how much it means to God. Yeah, um, he owns the cattle on the thousand hills. All is he he gives, he takes away. That's not our value, our worth, or our level, or in in, in any way. It's just beside. The
1: power. Last week we saw that he says we brought nothing into the world and it is certain that we will live with nothing. All right, when we move downward, he says there is the uncertainty of riches, of wealth. So let's let's tie that verse in. In what sense is wealth uncertain? Why does Christ, uh, Paul, use the term uncertainty of riches? Yes, ma'am
3: us that you know these things that we have they're not they're not going to stay forever like people that we're investing our time and in and also just to not be not put our security there you know don't don't start don't don't get like I guess like you're saying don't be lazy you're mm-hmm. thinking well I'm okay I'm, I'm you know I don't need anything I like and just put your security in
0: the thing that you can see around you think about the bigger picture oh. yeah the only thing we can take to heaven with us our relationship. Mm-hmm. So that it's our relationship with God first, and our relationship with others. You know, which is what God asks us—the greatest commandment. So, what we use our wealth for, our, our money, you know, our time in investing in other people and in God's kingdom—that's that's where your riches.
1: Are. Yeah. So, as far as Paul is concerned, he's drawing the mind of the reader. Okay. To the transitory nature or character of earth, earthly wealth, transitory. All right. So, if you are building barns, enlarging your world wardrobe, you are, you know, then that is your focus. Oh, you are, and it's it's one of those habits that when it grips you, you don't know where to stop. Last week I was talking about fashion. All right, It says that it, you fall into a snare. A snare, that's the term, that, a trap. When you are trapped, when you are going out, you don't know what to wear. I tell you, if your clothes are few, you don't care what you wear. But the more you have, oh, no, this one, that one, that one. And you are all, I, is it true or not? If you have a big wardrobe, oh, no, this one will be good, you know? I told you. <laughs> is it not true? It's true. If you have just five clothes, you know this is for Monday, that's for Tuesday, that's for Wednesday, that's for Friday. What is it? You have no choice. You are forced to. But while you are spoiled for choice, you have this, you are, you are always lingering. You don't even know which one to take. You see? And this is, you are, you are in a snare. You are in a snare. Right? And I, I was giving you that instance of where uh, uh, these anim- animals go to drink at the, this, uh, the pool. And then you have the crocodile sneaking just like that. And then he, he pounces on. I saw a video of a, a crocodile just pouncing on a leopard. And he just puts him into the, into the water. And that's it because the leopard is not comfortable in the sea, I mean, in the, in the water, and he's for. That is a picture of being caught in a snare. And when you are on the, I mean, you just look at social media these days. For some people, it's every day, you have to be in a new clothes mm-hmm. or something, just to paint a certain picture that everything is well. And people buy into that. Oh, what am I doing? Did you see this person's picture? Did you see the car? Did you see that? And, you know, when you buy into that kind of thing, you just go on and on and on and on. And then you are never satisfied. Last week, we spoke about godly contentment. All right? Is God enough for you? Okay. So, Paul warns us about these things. Look at verse 17. What should not be our attitude? verse 17a, what shouldn't be our attitude? Paul is reminding us the world Pride, not arrogant, high-minded, high okay, the other verses we can even even, but let's move on. What else? They should not have their hope on what? On certain riches. We've spoken to that, but now um, the rich should not be snobbish or smug. Okay? Rather, they should do what? They should give. Okay. Look at verse 18 and 19. What, what should our hope be on? 18 and 19. What should our hope be on? Generosity. Generosity yes. Our hope should be fixed on God. All right. Uh, because God, that's what he provides. Okay. The Jehovah Jireh. Genesis twenty-two fourteen. The Lord who provides. Okay, so God richly provides all things necessary for body and soul for time and eternity. If you have that kind of perspective, what does it do to you? If you you have that mindset, we've been talking about the mind, If if you have that mindset that God is the provider of everything you have, all right, what does it do to you in terms of contentment?
0: It's
1: the word, anxiety. anxiety. Alright, Matthew 6. Alright, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be a, not all things, all these things, the things that you need, God will make sure that you have them. You
3: have to chair with mm. other
1: people yes. When you realize that God mm-hmm. gave it
3: to you. Mm-hmm. It's even saying that here, you know, we're supposed to be rich in
1: good
3: works
1: and the God gives us the things that we need and He gives us, sometimes He gives us the abundance so that we can share with other people. Yeah. Look at verse 19. He says gifts are what? An investment. What is that investment? What is that investment? If you invest in something, you are going to reap it sometime. What is that investment according to Paul? If you share with people, if you invest in people, Treasures in heaven. All right. Treasures in heaven. And I can tell you that it also frees your conscience. All right. It frees your conscience because you know that you have been a good steward of whatever God has blessed you with. I don't have to tell you this, but there are some individuals in this congregation that have been a personal blessing me, I've just been here for a short while, but I can pinpoint individuals who have just been a blessing because they are thinking of, oh, Bennett, oh, that. And I saw that during the pandemic, especially around the time, because you could see people who are concerned, oh, what are the students doing and all of that? You know? And this is how we have to think. If you are always, about yourself, me, myself, and I. It's not good enough. Alright, you don't reap in heaven. I mean, you don't, you, you get to heaven someday and you realize that you are passionate about the wrong things. Alright, but let's look at 2021. Paul reminds Timothy to guard the deposit. Guard the deposit. What is the deposit? What is he supposed to guard? Oh, Timothy. Guard something. What is he supposed to guard?
2: His faith. His faith,
1: his faith, yes. Specifically? The gospel. The gospel. <laughs> his, God has entrusted something to him. And he says what? Guard it. Preach it. All right? Lay your life for it. Okay? When we come to Second Timothy, he will say, that, the things that you have heard from me, committed to what? Faithful men who will also be able to teach others also. So I want to ask you, is that your attitude? Who are you passing the torch to? And this is serious business. If you have the truth, have you made any attempt to pass the torch to others so that when you are not there, the others can carry it forward? Are you concerned about that? Does it really interest you? This is just for the pastors and the elders. No, no. Every one of us has that responsibility to pass that torch. I tell you, when I came to this country, people said, oh, I noticed that the young people were not in church. And then you ask, who is responsible for that? People say, oh, is the school professors. Is the college professors. No. Parents. 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 If your child has become liberal for your liking, you perhaps want to look at yourself. What did you do? Were you passionate? Did you pray? Did you commit yourself to ensure that your child will be well-versed with the truth? Yes, people fall away even when they know the truth. But I can tell you, If you go to London, the Metropolitan Tabernacle, they run one of the largest Sunday schools in England. And there are so many stories of people who came to their Sunday school, they went into the world, did all kinds of things. And then later on, they remembered, oh, our parents took us to church, Sunday school. And then when they they relocated, they started coming again. Because they found there was nothing out there. I would miss, miss that today. So I can tell you, based on my own, you, you, you can't go about these things in a very lackadaisical like, you way, know, you know, let's leave, leave the children to the Sunday school teachers. No. You must take personal responsibility for your own children. And you need to be praying. You don't need, need to be all over the place. All right, because then later on, you'll be doing firefighting. You know, firefighting. <laughs> any firefighter here will tell you is that's, that's tough. <laughs> when you have to fight fire, it's tough. Mm-hmm. All right. So in closing, Paul says that what is so called knowledge, Timothy, withdraw yourself from that. And he says, grace be to you. In fact, the grace be to you. Here he used the, the term; it's a plural term, which means that Paul assumed that Paul is um, Timothy is going to what. Share the things that he has heard with many people. Let his grace be to you all. All right. So let me just close with this. Um, what has really stood out for you in this study? And we are wrapping up here quickly. What has really stood out to you?
2: The importance of, of guarding our garden.
1: Guarding. Yes. All right, it's important because there are so many churches out there. Churches are dying. uh, New churches are springing up. uh, Doctrine is all over the place, and people love entertainment and the place that will tickle their ear. I understand somebody came to our local church here and said, "Oh, the place is too dull," and went out. He doesn't like sound doctrine. He wants a place where, right? Exhibitionism, entertainment, anymore. What are you taking away from First Timothy? Yes, ma'am.
3: That Paul understood that what he was telling Timothy was hard.
1: Yeah. But
3: then he also tried to prepare him for that by reminding him that God, how big God is to provide for us in the difficult things
2: that he does. Amen. Yes, sir. It's in two books of the Bible that are just written by one person. You know, it applies to all of us, but it shows the importance of kind of individual relationships.
1: Yes. Yes. You can't believe for somebody, unfortunately. Salvation is personal. It's personal. You can pray for people, but you cannot believe for the person. Parents wish they could believe for their children. They wish. But not. I mean, it doesn't work that way. Uh, The soul that's in it, it shall die. All right? And I want to end with this. Remember when David fought Goliath? We are told that that ugly giant, as he stood on that mountain, and taunted the people, and taunted God, everybody was afraid. And then what happened? David comes onto the scene and he says what? This giant, I can take him out. Because what? He believed in his big God. While the whole nation who patronized the synagogue, who patronized the worship, who go through all the sacrifices, when it mattered most, they froze. He took a shepherd boy. He says, that what? I come to you in the name of the Lord of what? Who's whom you have defied, all right? And he just took a sling and victory was wrought. This is how we live our daily Christian battles of faith. How big is your God? Paul reminded Timothy that you serve the invisible God, the invisible God, all right? The immortal God. And I want to leave you with that. Let's bow down our heads and pray. Great Father, what a blessing it is to look into your word. Lord, continue to remind us of these things and help us, O oh God, even to trust in the almighty God. Bless our next stage of, the next stage of our program, O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, next week, Jay, we'll continue from Second Timothy, all right? So come in.